Ahoy and avast, squabbies! Welcome to this week's episode of The Trailbusters, where we'll be talking about all things nautical. So shiver me timbers and blow a man down. It's the Trailbusters! Trailbusters! Hello and welcome to the Trailbusters podcast, where we talk everything outdoors and adventures. I'm Ethan. I'm Bing. And I'm Will. And this week, we're going to be discussing water-based adventures. That's right. Uh, Get your paddleboards and kayaks together. We're planning on talking about everything that you might need to know to get out on the water and enjoy a cool, refreshing outdoor experience. Um, this is going to cover a lot of ground, and if you find anything you're particularly interested in, let us know. We can do segments on in-depth aspects of any activity we discuss here today, but I think today we're in for a, a variety of activities. So, very exciting stuff. Gentlemen, what do you think? Interesting you brought that up, Will. Um, I'm not a big fan of water-based activities. Um, I don't like getting into open bodies of water. So, yeah, this would be an interesting one because I had some uh, traumatic experiences as a kid. Um, but I do like fishing. I do like being around bodies of water, but just not in it. I um, I like water for the most part. I like being in water. I don't like motorboats. Um, I don't like uh, motorized water vehicles of most sorts or like bigger ships and stuff too i get like that queasy seasicky feeling right um wait smaller boats i've had breakdown on me a lot so did you get kayaking swimming good for me so did you get seasick when we were on that ferry to salt spring uh not so much the ferry the ferry seemed that seemed fine but uh we did do that hootsuite cruise when we were all over at yeah i avoided Uh, that oh yeah that was a fun toronto thing that i felt uh, it took me a little bit to get my sea legs. I don't really get seasick per se, I guess. I just get like kind of dizzy and thrown off and I don't enjoy that. Dude, are you sure it's just not because we're partying and we're having a good time? <laughs> You're allergic to a good time, Ethan. <laughs> just kidding. Well, um, I, I was particularly alcohol free that evening. Uh, I don't remember why, but I, um, oh, I did not why. partake in any of the uh, company alcohol. You wanted to go work out. Get built. Yeah, that might have been it. Yeah. Get ripped. Anyway, um, well, I, I didn't. One thing I wanted to do was get my boating license. Um, I still haven't gotten my boating license because I kind of passed all the modules except for the last one. And for some reason, it's an it's an open book exam. So I can Google all the answers, and I failed it like five times. <laughs> so I don't Ouch. know. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> you need to study more. Do you think you're holding yourself back, Bing? Maybe you don't want your boating license. Maybe I don't want my boating license. Maybe somebody like has like uh, poisoned the waters and put up online um, fake SEO optimized fake answers thing. <laughs> <laughs> what does this sign mean? I don't know. It could well, be look. left. It could be right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, guys. I think that I'm gonna sell you on, over the course of this episode on why. Um, well, I don't really like motorboats. I'm not here to rep motorboats. <laughs> so I, maybe I don't have a lot of work to do. But I want to sell you on some fun outdoor activities that are water-based. And one of the first ones I wanted to, t- to try to sell you on is kiteboarding, which is, for, which is something that I've been learning how to do with the help of my friend Daniel. Uh, shout out to Daniel if you're listening. Um, 
And that's a really fun thing to do. So have you guys heard of kiteboarding before? Or do you, what does that bring up for you? I think, I think the first impression that I got is I'm imagining you on a board getting towed by, towed by a kite. And basically yep. you need a nice breeze to do that. That's it. You just described that is that is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Now I haven't got on the board yet, so I'm still in the the training oh, wheels. So you're just flying the kite. I am literally just flying the kite. Yeah, and nice. you have to do that for like many many times in different conditions. Because here's the thing about kiteboarding. So you're right. When you're good at it, you go on a good windy day, and the guys who are into kiteboarding and the gals who are into kiteboarding, there's like a an, an app called Wind Tracker. That will tell you with a forecast, like three, five days out with varying degrees of like accuracy, the farther out it is, mm-hmm. where the best wind is. And people get so into this. There's like a Slack community, a Slack channel of all the kiteboarders in like Ontario. And they're like, oh, good wind, good wind in Kingston this weekend. People will drive there with their gear. And it's quite a lot of gear. You need like this, these giant 13, 15, 18 foot long kites that are inflatable. You pump them up. So they're buoyant and they hold their shape in the oh, wind. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, they're I think, huge. I think I saw them one time at there's uh, like a park in Ottawa that I was walking by where they probably weren't doing it anywhere nearby, but I think they had them out to like dry or something and they were massive. They're really big. Yeah. You need a lot of beach. That's one thing that's kind of tough on like right. hot, big days where the beach is busy. You, you kind of have to occupy like quite a large amount of space and they usually you crew glomp up. So there's like... Uh, everybody kite surfing on a given beach will like kind of stay in the same area but it it really requires a lot of like versatility so you've got to like have your kite going and you have to there's this whole idea of like where the wind is it's called the wind window and you've got to position the kite um in these different places there's like a power zone which is like directly into the wind where the kite's Mm -hmm. catching the full force of the wind and that can be really strong in like stormy gusty conditions it's so strong it will lift you into the air so you like you've, you've got to be a little careful. And so you have to build up skill with the kite before you can get on the board. Because when you're on the board, there's a whole aspect of like kind of um, maintaining your stability on the board and steering the board with right. your feet while you're steering the kite. So the kite's got to be almost second nature. So right. like the other day, I was Daniel was having me steer the kite with my eyes closed. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Question though, like... When you're training on the beach with the kite, does the kite ever drag you along the beach or do you ever get face planted because it was too strong? It's quite strong, but we've never had like wild wind. So the times that I've taken it out, we've actually had kind of on the lower end. I'm kind of cursed because each day the <laughs> forecast was for like 30, 40 mile per hour winds. And I get there and like the minute I step on the beach, the wind just dies. And the minute I leave, the wind picks up. It's just awful but um i haven't had wind that's quite that strong but it's it is surprising how much power that kite can capture and like one of the things you do is you late because the way you start kiteboarding is like you get your kite launched it's in the air you you wade into the water and you lay on your back you put your feet in the stirrups of the board and then you swoop the kite into the power zone which is like directly like uh against the wind and then that pulls you upright and you're immediately going so, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I like it a lot because it's like, how often do you really think about the wind? Like I, so to do this kiteboarding stuff with Daniel, uh, what I do is I ride my bike down the Don Valley from my house to the ferry to go to Toronto Island where the best wind is. And that's where Daniel lives. 
and then we go to the beach and hang out on the beach and it's really fun because it's like an outdoor activity and you kind of just chill on the beach you know if the wind's not great right. you're just kind of waiting mm-hmm. so it's really nice you know it's like it's like what i like about water-based activities is that they tend to be a little bit like chiller and for the most part i mean canoeing can be pretty intense and kayaking can be pretty intense in certain conditions but like often you're not really being propelled so much by your own force as like the water is helping carry you so it often there's a lot of like it can be kind of leisurely in a way you know like as much as it can be like fast and exciting and, and thrilling like whitewater rafting there's also an element of like it's a great way to like you know you don't have to canoe far like one of the one of my favorite kinds of water-based activities is what Bing and I were planning on doing which is get a six you know get like a sixer of a couple sixers of beer and a cooler canoe to like an hour out to a campsite and then just have like a chill kind of like car camping almost experience of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you can you carry camping. so much more stuff so like that's what i like about the water it's like it, it has a potential to be like exhilarating and fast paced with like white water or kite surfing but then there's also this element of like you're kind of just chilling in the water so that's that's a nice yeah. thing about it yeah i think i i can definitely see the benefits of that it kind of the chilling in the water hanging out at the beach reminds me of um like growing up uh my family spent a lot of time going to the beach along the coast of south carolina um and we would go to um we'd go hang out at the beach and a lot of times uh, they were kind of like two different scenarios we went to uh, on the east coast especially the area we mostly frequent you don't get really the waves you would typically get on west coast for like good surfing weather so you can't really do real surfing or anything so i never picked that up but we were big into boogie boarding which is basically the most extreme you can get with those waves Um, but we lived for a little while in uh uh ladies island which is like near a series of islands like buford south carolina area and we would go yeah we we did fun things like not evacuate when hurricanes came um and then Sounds the day fun. before the hurricane comes compl- very much disclaimer do not do this um <laughs> we'd go like the day before the hurricane came out to the beach because the waves would be insane um and we'd go ride on those and stuff and uh get oh, some no. cool riding and um big problem with that is the undertow is pretty nasty yeah uh, so it'll just like rip you out to sea but on the flip side uh, most of the time the waves were much more tame you couldn't r- do too much riding or anything too insane Um, so kind of what has developed as my dad and I have gotten older is when we go to the beach, we've slowly drifted from doing that to, we go out past the waves and you lay on your back on the boogie board and you balance a beer can on your stomach (laughs) and you take a nap. Nice. Think about that. Relaxing. Don't you get burnt? Cause I, I'd burn man. Like even from like, I wish you could see my arms right now from kiteboarding. I went kiteboarding yesterday. By went kiteboarding, I mean, I flew a kite on the beach. I am sunburned um, quite badly. So I'd imagine if you did that, Ethan, you would be burnt to crisp. So um, my dad always has a tan. He's like perpetually, he, he golfs a lot, does a lot of yard work and stuff. He maintains a tan year round. Um, I maintain a pastiness um, that can't be defeated. Um, nice. I spent, I went on a trip to Cuba in high school and spent, I think like four hours shirtless on the beach playing volleyball at in the noonday sun like didn't even get a slight pinkish hue stayed pasty white impressive i do i do burn eventually um and i tan a little bit but i don't i my skin doesn't react to uv light very much apparently right do you burn bing 
sometimes. It really depends. Um, so yesterday, I was out playing tennis a good solid three hours of it. It was exhausting because it was like, what is it, 35 degrees, which is upwards of, I don't know, 100 and something in Fahrenheit and freedom units. Um, mm-hmm. But I had sunscreen on, which is great. Uh, I always recommend it. Um, get the good stuff. Get the highest SPF. I don't really know why they sell different levels of it, even though they cost the same. Uh, but just get the highest one, just to be safe. Um, but if I have sunscreen on, I won't burn. If I don't, I think I'll burn in about an hour in direct sunlight. That's uh, pretty good. But, yeah, but afterwards, I also have the aloe cream. If I do burn, like mm-hmm. uh, aloe is so, great for after after sun. Um, so that always kind of soothes it all down. The nastiest yeah. bird I had was actually funny story. So I went to LA. I was going to drive out to San Francisco on the, um, the Highway 1 Pacific Coast Highway. Um, and I had a Camaro convertible. What? And yeah, it was great. It was amazing. And I drove with the top down for like an hour. And I started feeling really, really hot. I'm like, why am I so hot and, and like discomfort? And I just looked at my arm, it was, like, entirely red. And my face was, like, my nose especially was, like, it, w- it became a clown nose. It was uh, it was insane. Uh, oh, but, yeah, yeah, I didn't have sunscreen and just burnt up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think, like, one of the things about any kind of water-based activity, whether it's kayaking, canoeing, paddleboarding, anything, kite surfing, is that you're getting a lot more sun than you think. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And you got to be really careful. Yeah, it, it all reflects off the water. It hits you. Uh, it, it's kind of like sitting with one of those mirrors that you see people use in older movies from before we realized that sun causes cancer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. apparently skin cancer is like the most common cancer by like miles. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's important to be sun safe. And like I remember the episode we did a while back on the canoe trip down the Oxtongue River. Um there was a ton of sun then and you're kind of like stuck right like there's no you can't really seek shade if you're on a river or a lake like there's no trees sorry to break the news what if you bring an umbrella yeah bring an umbrella that's actually (laughs) not a bad idea like frog and toad those cartoons um but short of an umbrella like you're kind of roasting and you really got to think about that like yeah what one of the things that's really nice is those like wide-brimmed like panama hat type of things oh those are fantastic mm -hmm. I associate them with like middle-aged men who like don't care about style, but uh, they are really nice. And I'm yeah, I, we're, we're approaching that age. Yeah, it's don't true. Say that. I have I have a bunch of like straw hats, those really wide straw hats uh, that you see farmers wear and stuff like that. They're really good at blocking out sun. Yeah, I feel like now that I'm back in the south, I need to get a cowboy hat as my way to protect myself from the sun. You should should do. You should. Mm-hmm. I have one from uh, the Stampede in Calgary. You know those hats that are like the Zen monks wear that are like, I think I associate them also with like people who are like farming rice. It's like, I don't know how to describe yeah. them. They're like yeah. huge. I want to get one of those. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Those things are sick. Yeah. Anyway, back to canoeing. Oh, um, yeah. Water sports. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so jumping back to kiteboarding, um, su- or kite surfing? Boarding. Kiteboarding. Kiteboarding. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, what kind of, um, you, you said you have, your friend got you into this. Is that really what 
kind of drew you into it? Was no. it just like a conversation one day? No, no. How'd you? Great question. Great question, Ethan. So um, many moons ago, I went on a I went on a bike trip on Vancouver Island, the southern coast of Vancouver Island, all the way out to the ocean. So Vancouver Island sits um, to the west of Vancouver. And between them is the Georgia Strait, between Vancouver Island and, and um, the continental United States, like or Canada, I guess. And then there's the Salish Sea, southwesterly, and then west of the island is the ocean. So I biked from Vancouver onto the ferry, which we've done, actually, that same ferry, and then to the Vancouver Island, and then biked along the southern edge of Vancouver Island to the ocean. And that is like primo kite surfing territory, which I didn't realize at the time, but I saw a bunch of people kite surfing, and I saw the most insane you would not believe like people kite surfing in like huge swells because it's like a a great place for it i think because first of all it's like the open it's like where the sea opens into the ocean so there's all these currents coming off of like out into the ocean i guess like it's great for wind i'm not exactly sure uh, like why but it is and so people were getting like these insane amount of air because that's the thing about kite surfing it's like or boarding or whatever. I don't even know. I'm I'm disclaimer. I know nothing about the sport. Like I've gone twice with a training <laughs> kite. I'm just kind of excited about it. And I started like watching YouTube videos yeah. and I think it's really right. fun. But anyway, like when you get good and if you have really strong wind, like you can get major air. Like you can go, you can let that kite pull you up into the air. And it's like pretty impressive. Like the things that people do, you should check it out. Like it's pretty nuts because the wind is a really powerful source of energy. And it's fun too, because it's like, yeah, sure, you can get on a ski-doo and, like, be an idiot and skidoo around or sea-doo or whatever they're called around. But, like, kiteboarding is cool because it's, like, there's so much skill involved. And you can do some cool tricks. Like, you can do some straight-up, like, spinning around 360 McTwists, you know, like, skateboarding, like, crazy stuff. So, Those are my favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. McTwists. The McTwists. Classic. 360 uh, twist. 360 twist. But yeah, no, I saw the guys doing that and getting like, I, I don't know, in my memory, it's like 10 feet of air. I'm, I'm sure it was less than that, but like in my memory, it's like 10 mm-hmm. feet of air. And I saw yeah. that and it's like burned into my memory. of like, whoa, that's crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen it. I haven't seen it up close too much, but it always like the concept seems super cool. Now, how does this compare to, uh, do you know, at least how does this compare to, um, uh, windsurfing oh. which i know like for for me i remember when i came to canada that seemed to be a big thing that was probably like super popular in maybe the 80s or something right um that everyone's cottage seemed to have like most of the equipment but not all the equipment to go windsurfing and <laughs> right everyone i i knew who was like the age that would have been in like their 20 late teens and 20s and the 80s that was like their big thing was windsurfing and they always talked about how they used to go windsurfing but i never saw any of them do it um do you know how that compares i I feel like that's like the uh, lake cottage country in ontario version yeah of yeah I, i remember what you're talking about it's i remember having it at my friend's cottage he had like an entire setup of it like a couple boards um and it's essentially like a mini sailboat, right? <laughs> you just yeah, take it's it. basically yeah. like a surfboard with a sailboat sail. Exactly. It. Like you just you take it out. Like the cottages up north in Ontario, like they don't have much current and it's rather calm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But when you wind does pick up, you get a little bit of waves. Um, but your sail picks up the most 
um, of the wind anyway. Like the 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 water current still stays relatively calm, uh, but you can get quite a kick from just a little huh. bit of wind. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I you know I don't know much about either activity to be frank, but um, what I do know, what I have learned, because what I've done so far has been all about working with a kite, is that the wind is much stronger higher up. So if mm-hmm. you have a kite and at least if you're on a beach, um, may, might be different in the open water, I don't know yet. Uh, if, the, if the kite is like lower than your head, like six feet or less, or even like maybe 12 feet up, that's not strong wind compared to when you can get it all the way up and then right. it's catching like really strong winds. So that makes me mm-hmm. think, and I don't know this for a fact, but it makes me suspect that kite surfing is like you're getting a stronger wind. And also the kites are huge. Like Daniel has like yeah. a 15 foot kite, I think. And that's on the bigger side, but there are 18 feet kite. So that's a huge circumference or a huge area to catch the yeah. wind. And, um, mm-hmm you're getting like some major torque. And so it's, you know, people die actually. Cause like it's one of those sports where like people will go out in like stormy conditions, like, you know, even boogie boarding, but like <laughs> less, yeah. even less safe than that. Um, yeah. You know, going out in like storms when the wind's really strong, when the surf's really big um, and you can catch some really intense things. And there's lots of safety precautions. Like you have like a emergency pull cord that you can rip on that will t- detach the kite from you and cause it to crumple up and, and fall to the to the water oh, uh, because good. you know gusting excuse me gusting winds can take you flying and so you have to be careful so there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a you, i think maybe the difference is that uh kite surfing is more expensive like a starter kite like a basic kite with a board a pump that you need to inflate it and everything costs like two thousand dollars and it's hard to transport so like daniel lives in a great place to go kite surfing he's like five minutes from the beach but like for me, you know, I had to bike 30 minutes, get on the ferry, bike 15 minutes, get to the beach, not in the end of the world, but it takes time. And if I were to do that with my own kite, I'd have to have like a trailer on my bike. Or a trailer on your back. And yeah. And if you're really into it, then you have to like follow the wind, which means like driving up and down like Ontario to different beaches right. to follow the wind. So, and the wind's fickle. Like a lot of times you go out and you need, you need, you don't need just like whatever wind you need strong wind you need like more than like 20 miles an hour kind of wind which isn't that common in ontario so if you really want to get into like kite surfing the way daniel learned from what he told me is he went on a vacation to the caribbean i forget where like um an island in the caribbean and where kite surfing was really popular and he had like a whole week and the conditions there are perfect it's windy enough every day basically to go kite surfing and there it's like easier to learn but in ontario it's like maybe once every two weeks the conditions are good Mm -hmm. enough to really go out so you and you know of those how many of that is like stormy almost weather where you might not want to so it's kind of like a sport that's a little fickle so but yeah i don't know Mm -hmm. we could talk about kite surfing till for longer it's it's really cool but um I, I also thought there's some space for us to chat a little bit about like less uh, exotic forms of water sport, like um, kayaking and canoeing uh, in in the Algonquin or in the lakes uh, around Ontario or even um, down your way, Ethan. Like, I'm, I'm wondering, is there much of a culture of like canoeing and kayaking in the Carolinas? Uh, yeah, I think it really depends where you go. Um, so where my dad and most of my family live, uh, they're really big into like 
kayaking for fishing. So they get the like they get the big open top uh, sea kayaks where you like sit on top of it instead of in it, hmm. and we'll bring fishing gear and stuff like that and go out fishing uh, on those or put around with them. Um, that can be really big here um, in Asheville. We're right on the French Broad River, which is a fairly broad river um, with a decent current going in it. So you'll see people kayaking and paddleboarding. The big thing you see in this river uh, that people love to do, and there's a bunch of rental places for it, is just get in an inner tube and float down the river. Oh, yeah. Um, I love doing it's that. basically <laughs> like a giant lazy river. Although right. I've also heard mixed things about things you can catch from that river. So, Have you ever done the tubing? Uh, no, I haven't given it a shot yet. I moved here in the winter and between... Like since then, I've had Rocky and medical issues preventing me from bringing him. He also doesn't like water, um, and he's not really at an age where I've left him alone too, too long, too often. But you've done some like fishing on a tube, right? You were telling us earlier. Oh, yes. Yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've done. My dad and I affectionately refer to as redneck tube fishing. Um, so like most places, uh, you, you're not supposed to be drinking and boating. That's a pretty common sense law put in place to you know prevent all sorts of terrible water accidents. Uh, to circumvent this and get a little bit of better fishing, um, my dad and I were at this area, at this one lake where our water access wasn't great for fishing right where we were. Um, so what we would do is we'd bring a cooler uh, down to the edge of the water with some beer, blow up some like cheap dollar store inner tubes and go float out into the lake, um, bringing our fishing lines with us and a beer and just kind of cast out into the water and float around. Uh, it was a nice way to like relax. It gets really hot down there. So this is probably like 110 degree Fahrenheit weather baking above the water and like it's, uh, the water is pretty warm too. So it's not keeping you too cold, but you know, Enjoying being out in the sun, um, throwing on a little bit of sunscreen and relying on that infinite paleness I have. Um, but uh, it's it's a ton of fun until uh, there are actually a couple different things that have happened on that that have turned us off it. Uh, one time, one of the fish swam in circles around my dad's legs. That was a fun adventure, trying to get him untangled from that. Um, my dad also has... Uh, a bad problem of getting leg cramps, oh, no. um, getting a leg cramp while swimming. Uh, I've multiple times had to like stop and grab his foot to help him stretch out a cramp. Um, the most uh, off-putting story we've had though was uh, a lot of times down there when you're fishing and stuff, you can see like a turtle head pop up kind of off in the distance. And then if it sees people, it'll go under and go away and then come back. Um, you gotta be careful. You don't catch them because they can be a pain to get off the line. And um, it's really bad for the turtle to, you know, get a hook in it and whatnot. But so we see this turtle, this turtle head come up. Normally they uh, would disappear like they come up for a little bit, disappear, come up somewhere else, disappear, uh, but they don't get too close. But we noticed this one seemed to be getting closer and closer and not going under the water. Um, and then after a little while, we noticed there was a weird swirling pattern behind it in the water. And that's oh, when no. um, we were camping um, and this very, very, very drunk guy came down from his campsite next door holding, I kid you not, a bottle of Jack Daniels in one hand and a fishing rod in the other and started yelling something like fairly incoherently through his drunken slur and southern accent 
before we caught on that what he was saying was it was a water moccasin swimming towards us, which is a very aggressive territorial poisonous snake, oh, a water oh, snake boy. that will chase you. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> swimming towards us. And uh, so my dad and I took off. It was far enough away that we got out pretty quick. And I swear, this guy started casting to try and catch the thing and hook it to pull it away from us. And the last thing I remember was this guy claiming that he got it <laughs> and reeling in on the line as my dad and I took off. We were out of the water so fast. Oh out of God. the water, up the hill, and back to the camper. Terrifying. Wow. Jeez. That's a crazy story. Could yeah. have been a lot worse. In the meantime, it was a ton of fun out in the water, though. <laughs> a nice way to relax. Yeah. No, I mean, fishing is a good way to relax. Like, me and my dad used to go fishing um, way back when. Uh, we used to have a motorboat, take it out to um, out on the lake, on Lake Ontario. Uh, we usually drive, like, three hours out of town to do that. And it's pretty chill. Like, a couple times we got stranded because the motor won't start and we had to get a tow. Uh, but Been there. What's that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's uh, all in all, like, it's it's very chill. The best exhilarating moments is when you catch a big one. And it's like a fight to, it's, it's basically a fight to survive for the fish, right? You're, you're kind of mm-hmm. kind of battling it a little bit. Um, but yeah, those were fun moments when you get something on the line that is really big and you're basically in battle. Wow. I remember one time um, fishing off a boat with my, it was me, my dad, um, and my uh, stepbrother and his grandmother. And the four of us were fishing. And uh, the grandmother, she's like an older Southern woman. And every time we'd reel, reel in a fish, it'd be the, like these really small fish, but like technically legally within the size we're allowed to keep but like the type you're not gonna bother cleaning it. and every time right. we get it and she'd look at the fish and go them's good eats them's good eats right there <laughs> and we my dad would kind of give her this irritated look and then unhook it and put it in the live well of the tank and we we must have caught like 20 to 30 of these fish that were like you'd need three or four of them to make like the size of a regular piece like piece of fish right uh we had all these in the live well and she kept talking the whole time about you know them them's good eats and uh my stepbrother was pretty young at that age so he was getting all excited about it so we brought him back my dad's like man these are tiny little fish we're like these are horrible to eat and we've got so many of them but we bring them back and she's convinced we're she's gonna take them home and have a big fish dinner so we get them we get back from this trip but we get back at night so it's already dark out um and we set up at this picnic table outside of her her house and it's now my two older stepbrothers are there they hadn't been fishing with us but they come over to help us clean and we set up this whole station of like the first person scales the next person uh you know guts and we we go down each person has a step to clean these fish going through like 30 something fish i think at at the end of the day these little tiny fish such a pain to like get all the meat off and clean it up and because they're small the bones are small like it's just a pain um we finally get them done and my dad has them all bagged in freezer bags and is brings them in to ask um, my step grandmother, uh, how she wants these cooked and like what, what she wants done with them. And she goes, Oh, I, I don't eat fish. 
<laughs> nice. My, my dad was so angry. What? That's amazing. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Like yeah. I, I, I know a lot of people that actually like fishing as a sport, but doesn't actually like to eat fish. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe because of the, I guess we call it like a fishy smell that comes out of it when you're cooking it. Um, I guess I get kind of a gag reaction to it. Um, but I'm I'm indifferent. Like I like some fishes, but not others. Like salmon is great. Um, I like some mm-hmm. of the sea basses and, and, and carps and stuff like that. But there are some fishes that I just can't eat. Um, yeah, I mean that's another cool thing about like kayaking, canoeing is you can like run a line line behind you while you're canoeing. Oh, and true. Basically, be fishing like the whole day. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So long as you have proper bait, um, right. I find live baits the best, but it's like sometimes it's illegal in some areas. Uh, but yeah, I know in in a lot of Ontario parks, especially like Algonquin, live baits illegal. Yeah, but it's like the easiest to catch. Like you just put it in, and you'll have a fish on the line. Like it's it's a no brainer there. But mm-hmm. the artificial ones are not bad. I guess there are different levels of it. Um, but at the same time, like you i think you have to just be diligent in making the artificial one looks like real bait so it's it's a little bit more effort but i think it's it's just worth it yeah another thing i want to get better at is like um white water and like rapids cuz that's that's another kind of cool water sport like getting into shooting rapids there's tons of that in ontario like uh, oh for sure you can get really into um, and I've got some books on like the different white water around here, but it takes a lot of practice and it's so dangerous and it's such a like potentially lethal activity that, uh, it seems like the best way to get into it is by taking classes. So I've been doing some research on like different kinds of white water packages. And there's this place that I've learned about called the Madawaska Canoe Center. If they want to sponsor mm. our podcast, we're, I think we're open to that. And, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, but they do like a weekend and even five day trips and basically they set you up with gear and a trainer and they're right on the Madawaska river, which has got some great white water. And you just spend like however long just running the rapids and, and learning those skills. And it's something I really want to do um, with Ted Ace at some point, because I think like in terms of like cool things to do in Ontario, uh, that's gotta be up there. And like one of the great things about it is like, and, and this is true of all kind of water sports in the back country in Ontario is that it's a great way of getting away from the bugs too, right? So like oh, you're on the river, yeah. you're not getting eaten up until yeah. you portage or whatever or camp. But uh, you can spend most of your time away from the bugs. So I think it's a great thing to do in Toronto summers and uh, something I really want to get into when I get a chance. Yeah, you guys got a little bit of a taste of that uh, when you were yep. paddling the ox tongue. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we we did a little like. Oops, sorry. We did we did a little bit of like some amateur. Um, yeah, like very chill, uh, rapid running. Basically, you know, typical thing in on in, on the ox tongue and and in a lot of these rivers in Algonquin, there'll be a portage you can use. But often the rapid, depending on the water conditions, the rapids aren't too bad, and you can kind of take your luck shooting them. Um, now we are not skilled and by the end of it, that poor canoe, uh, my, uh, today's parents canoe was kind of, I think brand new or near to it was scratched all the heck. Uh, so, yeah. you know, we're not that professional, but yeah, we did a little bit enough to kind of whet my appetite. I'd love to do more of that. Um, you know, it, it, it was hard, you know, with the COVID and everything, we can't go up to the cottage and it, you can't really get from Ontario to Algonquin or any of these good rivers. Um, 
and get out you know it, you can i guess i know bing you've done that like you just get up early and drive out to the algonquin yeah. but it's much nicer if it's only an hour or two drive so uh this summer might not be the summer i, I do much of that but it's something definitely on my bucket list mm-hmm. so. through that yeah and if uh before we move on too much past it uh if any listeners want to hear more about will's ox tongue adventures and they haven't already done it you can listen to him talk about it in more detail in our episode paddling the ox tongue which i think is like episode six or something um but definitely check that one out we've got it in the back catalog that's right an oldie but a goodie mm-hmm well, I think that's going to do it for us this week, uh, but it's been an awesome adventure talking about all these water-based activities. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, tell friends about it. Word of mouth is the best way to get us heard. Uh, we're on most social media platforms, um, The Trail Busters, and you can find our website, thetrailbusters.com, to find more episodes, information, um, our RSS feed, figure out where you can subscribe to this podcast, which is anywhere you can download podcasts uh, thanks today's again for our intro and outro music uh, we love it and for the trailbusters i'm ethan i'm bing and i'm will and we'll see you on the trail Avast. <laughs> x marks the spot actually our map is actually a treasure map there is an x there